So I'm really fascinated by this whole Spike Lee thing. Uh, Spike Lee um, is, um, of course, a black legend, um, a legendary New Yorker, an avid and loyal fan of the New York Knicks. He has been attending the New York Knicks games for 20 plus years, 28 plus years, 20 some odd years. He's got kids that are 24. He remembers taking those children when they were very young. So apparently, they have asked Spike Lee to go into, to come into the Madison Square Garden from the VIP entrance. Spike Lee um, says, I am going to come into the entrance essentially that I've always been coming through, which is apparently the employee interest or entrance. So essentially, um, the, the, he has decided that he is not going to go to the Madison Square Garden anymore um, because of the, the, the way that he feels that he's been treated. So he and the Knicks, now mind you, um, it costs like three G's to like occupy the seat that Spike Lee does and that he has occupied for years. He gets into a, 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 like, a like a war, essentially, with the New York Knicks. Uh, and the New York Knicks um, post the following statement. The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him not to use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. So, then they posted a picture um, of the entrance that Spike Lee has been using. Um, the entrance says... Entrance for employees, media, and patrons with disabilities only. Spike Lee, he's clearly not an employee, but he pays a lot of money. Is he media? Debatable. Uh, a patron with a disability? I do not know. <laughs> uh, then, the New York Knicks, the president... Um, last name Nolan, or is it Dolan, uh, comes over at the same game for which now all this is posted on the Twitter account for the Knicks public relations. During the halftime, comes over to Spike Lee and allegedly tells Spike Lee, Sir, please do not use that entrance, they shake hands. The Knicks then 
take a screenshot using security footage and also post that on their social media. As, to, as in to say, sir, you even agreed to it. So then <laughs> uh, Spike Lee is like, well, tell you what, y'all playing games. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back for the rest of the year. I'm done. I'll just check y'all out next year, but I'm not playing this game. With you, like shaking hands um, with the Knicks owner um, to uh, ask to communicate that they had come to some type of understanding. Here is what um, Lee uh, told ESPN. I was shaking his hand, Lee said. In fact, when he came over, I didn't even get up right away. Lee went on to say, I'm being embarrassed by James Dolan, and I don't know why. So, this is crazy, right? Because is it that serious? Is this a case of privilege? Is there um, something going on in the background that like, we just don't know, that we don't have access to? I don't know. But it would seem to me that the Knicks would be able to work out some type of concession for one of their most famous celebrity fans. Like, I could understand if we were talking about somebody that's not iconic in their own right. And I know maybe it is, um, it, it is, it could be that, um, You know, they see all celebrities the same, blah, 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 blah. But, like, no, this is the iconic Spike Lee. And his, who talks about the Knicks? Like, what are are the Knicks record? Hey, Siri, what's the record for the Knicks? Let's see what Siri says. The Knicks are 19 and 42 right now. The Knicks. Place in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks are 19 and 42. The Knicks, that means that they have played. Hey Siri, what's 19 plus 42? It's 61. They have played 61 games and only won like a third of them. And the concern that they have, what has them in the news, is what entrance Spike Lee can come in. I think that that's stupid. I really do think that that's stupid. And I think that the Knicks need to find something else to angle. I would want, I would be interested in knowing. Now, let's let's look at this. I'm, I've had some experience in, 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 in the HR world and all this kind of stuff. And so I can understand if his coming into the employee entrance causes a challenge for employees. Um, if his coming into that entrance causes a problem for security, I can understand that. Uh, and I think that you know you 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 i just think you make a concession for the guy like i think you let him come into the door because of his loyalty because of his iconic status because of what he's meant to the program 
you make a concession. Now, I don't know who else is a celebrity fan of the Knicks who comes to the game. I do not know how he compares to others that might come. But I would be interested to know, like, if black celebrities are treated the same as white celebrities when it comes to these backdoor entry policies. I would be interested in knowing that. Now, what's probably problematic in this particular scenario is the outspokenness of Spike Lee, right? But the fact that you have the Knicks PR posting on Twitter, like security footage of the Knicks president handshaking with Spike Lee, somebody is petty. Somebody is on a completely petty level. And I just think that that's correct. I think that they should work something out with Spike Lee. I'm calling on the Knicks to work something out with Spike Lee. Let him come in whatever entrance he wants to come in. Name an entrance after him. Call it the Spike Lee and employee and uh, 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 persons with disability uh, and media entrance. Or classify him as a person that's a part of the media because he does bring you media attention and just let him come in whatever door he wants to come into. Don't y'all think that that would make the most sense? Free Spike Lee. Yes. Spike Lee, make a movie about this because you don't support these people. Put them in your movies. All kind of stuff. And the least they can do is let you come in the media door if you want to. So... It's also time for us to talk about the elephant in the room since we are approaching a new election cycle or we are in the midst of a new election cycle. And that is that exit polls research around the 2016 uh, election of Donald Trump found that 53% of all white women documented that are documented voted for Donald Trump. To the naked eye, to the naked eye, and I know we're not just one issue voters, we're voting and the ways that we vote is very complex, but to the naked eye, it appears that white women are voting against their own issues, the issues that are important to them. Um, one can make that assumption uh, based on the fact that the person for which 53% of all white women voted for in the 2016 election is someone who has proven himself to be a person that does not respect women, um, does not uh, respect um, their body, um, oh, the list is just too lengthy uh, to have uh, a, a detailed discussion around. So I will not get into the realities of what it means to be a woman um, in a Donald Trump era. 
However, it is concerning to me that someone um, with such a daunted uh, past, present, perhaps future when it comes to respective women um, is still landing the majority among white women. Now, there's another challenge among white women, and that is that when an African-American woman in Georgia decided to run for president, I'm sorry, decided to run for Georgia's governorship, she ran against a white man. 75%, according to CNN, 75% of white women in Georgia voted for Brian Kemp over Stacey Abrams. Now, somebody tell me that this noteworthy statistic does not lead us to think that we really need to check in with our friends, our loved ones, our sisters, our sister-in-laws, our co-workers. We need to get to the bottom of why it is that we live and work and worship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with women who might not be identifying with some of the issues that women are having in general with people like Donald Trump. And this conversation is very complex because it's about gender, it's about race, it's about racism, it's about someone's personal um, responsibility to be civically engaged, it's very complex. And so it's difficult to be like, everybody who fits in this certain demographic should be voting this way. But these numbers are overwhelming when you take into consideration uh, what um, the people for which are receiving these votes represent. Right? That's what makes it problematic. And so we got to take a look at that. Now, I know that there were, and I remember having these kitchen table talks with my family and friends about the um, personality and the decisions um, of Hillary Clinton and why um, aspects of her choices um, didn't resonate with white women. I know that there were white women in the Midwest that were offended um, by this idea that you had to pull yourself together and wear pantsuits and that it was somehow like uh, unacceptable to, you know, wear a skirt or so on and so forth. I know that there are um, cultural um, and geographical issues that made it difficult for some white women clearly to um, side on the, it, when it comes to um, Hillary Clinton. But all like 
shenanigans and aesthetics aside, like, there is a real problem that I think we are not putting our finger on. And you see, like, the issues like universal childcare for all children. My philosophy is that no matter where you are from and who you are, like you are in favor of ensuring that children are cared for. Uh, and this is just without the overlap of religious identity and what the Bible says about our care and concern for children. Now, this is separate because we can really have a deep conversation around how you cannot be fully Christian and fully taking on the lifestyle of Jesus Christ and anti-child. I want to make that very clear. Um, so... And, and, and I don't have time to go into this, but I, in my mind, I, I can see um, children approaching Jesus and his disciples deciding that Jesus didn't have time to deal with no kids. And Jesus said, no, like, suffer the little children to come. Other, other words, actually bring them here, for such is the kingdom of God, or such are um, the, the, the manifestation of loyalty and longevity and the purpose for which I exist. Okay. Sorry. Just need to say that, because you cannot love God and hate children. And so, in our alignment with these presidential candidates and local politicians, if we are professing to be children of God, we need to be aligned with what God's Word says, number one. And you can't be picking and choosing which issues you're going to stand up for and which issues you're not. Now... To me, I think it's important for us to have a resolution because I didn't want to talk too long about this, but the resolution for me is that we need to create um, circles and pods of multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-gendered groups of people and we need to get out of our comfort zone and we need to start talking to each other. And what we need to talk to each other about is how can we show empathy to one another? How can we um, vote with our heart and take into consideration the things that matter to us, but also the things that matter to the most vulnerable of our country? How can we be um, open-minded and open-hearted to the things that Christ demonstrated that he cared about? And once we start having those conversations, we break down the walls of racism and religious affiliation, and we start having a real conversation about how to care and love for people and show love to people. Um, and I really just think we need to do that. And I think that we don't need to be on the sidelines, like pointing the finger and saying, what are those white women doing? We need to get with our white sister and we need to have a conversation with her and ask her, what is it that, and I, I know that not every white woman voted for Donald Trump or 
Brian Camp, et cetera, et cetera. But as you see these results coming in, these exit poll results, I think it's important to pay attention to what, what group of people, if you will, um, are not engaged. We have to take um, some um, inventory of who we assume is down because of who they hang out with or what they look like or where they work um, or what communities they live in. And we have to have a deeper conversation about what we can do to eradicate some of these systems that hurt us all, like sexism and racism. You know what I mean? <sighs> Y'all, we have so much work to do. And it's like almost sometimes it's difficult to know where to start. But that's why I wanted to talk about this, because my feeling is... Let's start talking about it ahead of these elections. Where did we go wrong last time? Is there any way that we can convince each other? Can we empathize? Can we grab hold of our brother and sister and say, hey, what am I missing? And if you, I let you tell me what I'm missing, let me tell you what I think you're missing. You know, because we all can sit in our living rooms and watch people on TV debate. And then in our silos, agree or disagree and become more sexist and more racist, right? But, you know, Lord help us. By now, you have already heard that Dwayne Wade um, has a son Um, by the name of Zion, who now identifies with the permission of his parents as Zaya, a trans girl. Zaya, as named, I believe that's her legal name, his or her legal name, um, is 12 years old and the product of uh, a marriage between uh, Siobhan Funches. Um, You might have recalled or remembered that a number of years ago they had a very messy uh, divorce that perhaps because of Dwayne Wade's fame and status um, projected Ms. Funches in a very negative light. Uh, However, um, it is important to note that uh, Ms. Funches is um, an an educated woman in her own right uh, following uh, the divorce uh, from Dwayne Wade. She went on to get her bachelor's from the University of Phoenix. Um, I believe she attained a law degree um, as well as her law degree is from the John Marshall School of Law, as well as a doctorate in theology. In addition to that, she wrote two books 
um, one book called The True Story of God's Glory, The Life of Siobhan L. Funches Wade, uh, and then a book entitled You Gotta Let God Finish. You Gotta Let God Finish. So the question um, that a lot of people um, have wondered is what's her perspective on uh, the child? And for the purposes of this discussion, I'm not going to get too um, deep, but for the purpose of this discussion, I think it's important to, whether you believe in the choices of the parents or not, I think it's important to always remember that we are talking about a child. The scariest thing from my perspective, and I just, there's some aspects I'm not going to hit on because, you know, the Christians got that under control. You know what the Bible says. Um, I want to bring out some other aspects that have been um, important for me. Um, the importance of protecting the identity, the choices, the lifestyle of a child is really important. And I think that whether you agree with Dwayne Wade or Gravier Union or, or the parent, we don't know much about the wife, but whether you agree with the choice that they have decided to make, you've got to uh, understand that these people are ultimately responsible for protecting their children. Now, the way that they choose to protect their children may not align with your values, may not align with my values, but they are called to protect and love their child um, the way that I think that they believe that they are doing so. And I think that we have to remember that these are children and we must not project negativity on the child because of choices that the parents allows. Uh, and I just think that that's, that's something that has to be said. And I think that it's easy to make a villain or um, to like speak in disgust about this story um, without considering one's own self, right? And I think that especially if you're a parent or you've been a child, which all of us have been a child, but if you're a parent especially, we, parents in general, like, 
to an extent, you all have to live with the burden associated with the choices that your children make. And very few people have perfect children or children that are without fault or children that identify in certain ways that um, don't align with their values or their, the values of their parents and so on and so forth. One thing that I think happens a lot is that we don't know how to have conversations like this in productive ways. We ignore the child and the child goes unloved or unmotivated to make smart decisions because people don't know how to love outside of what they believe their political, personal, religious, spiritual views are. And so the casualty is the child because they're left at their own discretion. They have to be their own teacher. They have to figure out things the hard way because there's no one to tell them. We need to think about what that looks like and what our role is as Christians. And when we are talking about these discussions, we need to say all that the Bible says, not just about the choices that people choose to make, but God's expectations for the way that we respond to choices. And if somebody is in the wrong, God can use us to love them in the right direction. That's just the, the that's just, that's just what's important because, and I will say that there are a lot of people who have not come into the con in, in contact with the love of Christ. Therefore, they are in these spaces trying to find love that is unproductive because those of us that have love to give are stepping up. And so I pray um, for the ex-wife of Dwayne Wade, for Dwayne Wade, for Gabrielle Union, for the child, that people will know how to love the child sincerely and outside of trying to do God's job or trying to police, but that we trust God's word and God's will and we use the tools that he has given us, one of which is prayer. So 
that's really all that I that that I I ha- I haven't really thought deeply about you know the 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 details associated. What I have thought about is what would happen if this were me. If I were Dwayne Wade, what would I do? If I were Gabrielle Union, if I were Siobhan Funches, what would I do? Who would I be positioned to protect my child against? What would I pray for? What would I pray about? Who would I take my child to? Who would I trust? That's what I've been thinking about. 